Welcome to episode one of the Scandemic Resistance. I'm Thaddeus Kaczynski. I would like to begin this episode by reading a passage from a book by Charles Armenjohn named The End of the Present World and the Mysteries of the Future Life. This was a book that made a great impact on St. Therese of Lisieux. And here's the reading. Father Armajan writes, History, a skeptical author of our time has said, is the judge of peoples, and her judgment, which continues throughout the ages, renders the last judgment pointless and superfluous. Our reply will be that the judgment of history is not a public judgment, whereas evil is public and rises up with an arrogance that is a scandal to men and a constant outrage against God. The judgment of history remains incomplete because every good or bad act is a mainspring of good or evil, a seed of life or death, all the fruits and results of which its author could neither feel nor foresee. And that is why, if the universal judgment had not been foretold to us, it would be our duty to demand it, to insist on it as a necessary consequence, as the final enactment of that divine providence which guides the movement of history throughout the ages, and as a final measure to complete his work and place his seal on it. This universal judgment is but the last scene of the universal drama the general fulfillment of all the partial judgments emanating from God's justice. It is only on this understanding that history becomes clear and comprehensible, that we shall see it not as the confused mind and eyes of man imagine it to be, but as it really is, like a book open to every eye. I began with this quote because I've been thinking lately about judgment, God's judgment. We know from Christian doctrine, particularly Catholic doctrine, in the Catechism, the Church Fathers, in Scripture, in the Creed, he shall come to judge the living and the dead, that there is, at the end of time, a general judgment, whereby God will publicly, with everyone gathered around, as it were, um, judge the lives of each and every human being ever to have been created in this world. And that judgment will be perfect, accurate, and final. There will be no escaping it, denying its truth, evading its consequences. And for those who tried their best to do God's will as they knew it and cooperated with the grace that was given them by God, that judgment, although fearful, that's an understatement, will ensue in an eternity of bliss, perfect happiness and fulfillment with God forever. And for those who died in a state of enmity with God, having rejected his will, even up to the very end, even 
even after Jesus visited their souls three times, as St. Faustina tells us, in the most winsome and compelling and attractive manner possible, to humble himself, Jesus, to be able to become uh, to to become as attractive to them as possible in their in their last state, even after that rejection, they said, "My will be done, not thy will be done." There will be an everlasting torment, self chosen, a rejection of God's will, because one wanted his or her will instead. One wanted to be right and not have to admit wrong. One wanted to be self-sufficient and never have to be a creature dependent on God. I forgot to mention, though, that um, after death we also have another alternative before the final judgment if we die. Most of us will die before that, and that is purgatory, um, in which where we die in a state of friendship with God, and yet not having the kind of holiness and sanctity and love of God in our souls required for intimacy with him in heaven, God in his mercy gets us ready for that through uh, a certain time of suffering, which we undergo gladly because we are saved and we know that it means finding our complete happiness quicker and we are completely in love with and committed to, as St. Catherine of Genoa tells us, to God's will at this moment after we leave our bodies. So what does this have to do with our podcast theme? I was thinking that uh, more than anything else in the past two years, we've seen a kind of mini-judgment come, come upon the world in the form of this this scandemic, this plandemic, um, we are being judged at every moment. In a sense, um, we're given opportunities to um, fulfill our nature as humans, as creatures uh, ordered to the knowledge and love of God, and to obedience to the truth as it's revealed to us, and as we know it by our God-given reason, but also through the gift of faith that is preached to us through the church. And every day gives us numerous, innumerable opportunities uh, to show whether we, in our hearts, are committed to God's reality, God's truth, the truth, with, with, which we participate in, and in which we find our, our fulfillment and happiness, or do we choose our own truth, as it were, um, our own wills, which is always a decision between power, my own power, my own ability to live as I want, to get what I want, versus the reception of the gift of reality that I serve and that I co-cooperate with in love, in which I realize that only God has power 
and without God I'm nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches, and cut off from the vine we are nothing, Jesus tells us. It seems to me the scandemic, um, although it can be understood and analyzed through a variety of lenses and paradigms, um, you know, obviously it's a criminal organ, a, a great uh, unprecedented act of organized crime. Um, it's obviously a totalitarian takeover of all the Western and even Eastern states. It's basically a global takeover. Um, we know it's uh, a heist, an economic uh, heist of unimaginable proportions through the lockdowns and and now the the inflation and the energy and the um, all the different methods they're using to to squeeze the the wealth and property and money and financial self-sufficiency of of the nations this group this group of elites and we know it has had cultural and political psychological ramifications we know that coinciding with the scandemic is this, is this onslaught of wokeness um, in which social engineering has been ratcheted up to try to normalize mental illness and to try to construe uh, mutilation of one's body due to that mental illness. Even children below the age of puberty even, without their parents' consent, can undergo mutilation by so-called doctors, irreversible mutilation, which sterilizes them. We also know it's a complete onslaught on the human person in so many different ways. We know that these injections are poison and that there are thousands, hundreds of thousands who, are, who have died and maybe perhaps more dropping dead, healthy, young, just dropping dead, unexpectedly, they say. Suddenly. Um, so it's, it's a holocaust that we're undergoing. Um, but with all that, I think the main sort of upshot of it is, you know, a decision, a choice. Are you going to are you going to care what the truth is and act on it, no matter what it is, no matter how much it might hurt or make you uncomfortable or take away your power? Or are you going to um, do something else, put something else above the truth? Um, or not care about it because you care more about what your little tribe thinks what your job expects of you, um, what the pressure around you is saying to you, the peer pressure, what the narrative is telling you, um, what it means right now, according to the zeitgeist and the mass media, what it means to be a good person. Um, all these different pressures of fear and seduction all these coercive pressures. Um, do you want solidarity with others? 
in a kind of accusing finger at another group that you can look down on? Do you want to feel enlightened? Do you want to feel like you're in the in-group? Is that what's most important? Do you want some kind of sense of identity and control? Um, these are all choices that are being made, options. You can have all these things if you simply ignore the truth, don't search for it, scapegoat those who do, um, allow your cognitive dissonance to make you um, immune to any kind of facts outside your, the narrative that you've embraced. You can do that. And when you do, when you do uh, place truth under some other value, desire, you certainly get away with it. In fact, you immediately feel that you are part of this group who knows, this Gnostic group, and you feel morally superior, holy even. And you know you are because compared to this other group, these conspiracy theorists, these selfish people, these irresponsible threats to public health, um, these domestic terrorists, these far-right extremists, you know, compared to them, I mean, if anybody is evil, it's them, not you. You also get a lot of pats on the back, financial incentives. You're rewarded. You get your reward. You get physical and social and economic, cultural rewards even moral, you feel like you're a good person. All you have to do is just not really care if it's true, any of it, any of those judgments that people are making about you, that you're making about yourself. It's all you have to do is not care about the truth of that. And who's going who's gonna to catch you out on that? Who's going to judge you for that? Those who would judge you, you're, you've already excluded from your purview. They don't, have, they don't have a voice. They're kind of subhuman anyway. So there's no judgment. Or do you recognize that you're not allowed to do that? You're never allowed to put something above the truth. And do you accept that and obey it? Or do you reject that? that knowledge that we can't escape, that first principle of the natural law. I think that's the judgment that God's giving us with this, with this counterfeit, this, this religious counterfeit, this counterfeit that mocks and yet imitates the, the Christian religion, the Catholic religion. It has everything. It has Doctrine, it has a priesthood, the scientists, doctrine, gospel, the narrative. You know the narrative? You know what it is. You've heard it over and over again. It's a gospel. You've got the sacramentals, the signs of your religious observance, the mask is the biggest one. And you've got your sacrament, the poison injection, the death shot, you should call it like what it is. You've got your new church, your, your group, your virtue signaling group that you all feel 
safe with and they're your new brothers and sisters. You have your enemy. You have the goats and the sheep. You have your goats now, the unvaccinated, the right-wingers, the conspiracy theorists. You have a kind of ritual that was given to us with the social distancing and everything else that went with it. By the way, this all applies also to the Ukraine insane, as I call it. And whatever else will come next, maybe it'll be climate change, but it's a religion. And um, it pays, that religion. It really does benefit you. And it really hurts to go against it. But here's the thing. Um, the only thing you have to do is to get all the benefits of this, of this new way of living, this new progressive religion. All you have to do is just not really care whether it's true. Um, and if you do, reject it. Because you don't want the truth. Maybe you know it's true, but you hate it. That's e perhaps that's even worse. And that's a judgment. And that's a judgment that is being made right now. And that... In that final judgment I mentioned at the beginning, it really is going to be all about whether or not you've lived your life putting truth, putting your creaturely status as first and foremost obligated to be in reality as much as you can, because that's what God is. He is reality. And to live in it. And that reality is beautiful. It's God. It's love. It's truth, it's eternity, it's relationship, it's endless fruitfulness, generosity, mercy, happiness, bliss. It's all those things. But it's also the cross, because that's real, too. Jesus showed us that. And that's the way to the ultimate reality. This fake cross of the pandemic, this fake um, penance we've all been told to go over, this fake salvation of the vaccine and transhumanistic immortality. None of it's true. And if you live a life averse to truth now in your little decisions, when that judgment comes, you're going to be confirmed in that in that hatred of truth, indifference, and then you'll have to live without truth for all eternity. And living in unreality, and reality is relationship with others, especially God and love. Living forever in unreality means living isolated, alone, trapped in your own consciousness. Although you can say you're right, all you want for all eternity but nobody really will be listening this time. So I encourage all of us to think of the four last things frequently and carefully in our prayer, in our, in our, li in our daily life, keep it in the back of our minds, or even in the forefront, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And remember that all these, this evil we'll, we are now experiencing is is meant by God as a kind of trial 
because he loves us so much. And if we won't choose him for his goodness, maybe we'll run to him when he shows us what the alternative to him is. And that's what we're experiencing in this nightmare. What it is to be without God and without his authority and to have replacements of demons and their minions in this world. God bless you all.